Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am presently in Vermont, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 13th day of June, 2014, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Into Action, and we are on page 77, and we are on the paragraph, We Don't Use This. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lois, 12 Traditions, Sharon B., and then Kim, Sharon R.S., and Barbara S. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 12th of June, is 6494, 6494. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois to please read the 12 steps. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, uh, recovered in Massachusetts. Number one, admitted we, were, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a decision, made a list of all these, all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual experience, awakening as the result of these steps we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs thank you and i pass thank you lois and i will now ask sharon b to read the 12 traditions please 
Good morning, Sharon B. in New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation for all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Sharon. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter Into Action. We are on page 77, and we are beginning with the paragraph, We Don't Use This as an Excuse. And I will ask Kim to begin reading, please. Thanks. Excuse me. Thanks for your service, Monica. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him, and though we may have acquired a better attitude towards him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. 
It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill-feeling and expressing our regret. And good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater. I'm going to look at that last sentence. Um, We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill-feeling and expressing our regret. So this is kind of describing the the posture we take when we go into a step nine. You know, when I start making that step eight list, there's certain people that I I, I feel that, I I feel that regret. I want to go in there. I want to make those amends. But if I'm in a place where I'm not, I'm feeling unhelpful and I'm not feeling forgiven, and it's not a former ill feeling, it's a current ill feeling, I'm still harboring resentment. And I'm not expressing regret, but I want to make them, you know, make them understand what they did wrong. I'm not at that place. And that's why those four-step prayers that we learned, we learned the sick man's prayer, we learned a fear prayer, we had three relationship prayers. We continue to use those prayers so when we're going to go to this person, we're going to have this type of attitude. We're going to be in a helpful and forgiving spirit. We're going to be expressing former ill feeling and expressing our regret. And I'm just going to hark us back to page 66. Because why are we willing to go to these enemies? Why are we willing to take that bit in our teeth? On page 66, it says, we begin to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that our resentments had to be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. And it's that commitment in, in, that we did in, in step four that we want freedom. Step nine is about freedom. It's about not living in 1975 when it's 2014. So it takes some work. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some meditation. We're going to need to utilize those prayers we did in step four. We might need to talk a little bit more with our sponsor or recovered people. Because once we're able to do this, once we're able to get in that posture, we need to go out there because we're going to see four different warnings in step nine. And some of the most common reasons I see people go out is from incomplete amends from not going out there and making all those events. So today, I want freedom. And I simply ask myself, how free do I want to be? And then the willingness to go out there and right my wrongs is much easier. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Thank you, Monica, Um, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, It says, nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. What does that mean? Well, I know briefly that, um, you know, the bit in the teeth is is a bridle that's put over the, the mouth of a horse, that he needs to be guided and he follows his master. Because if he didn't, he'll go with this way and that way. So that's what I have to do. You know, if I know that God dwells in me, then I know God dwells in an, another person. And at this, t- at this point, I know who my master is, and I know who was guiding me and who was beside me. I always, you know, feel my, my, my higher power on my left side. So therefore, I'm in a different position now. I'm being guided by him. 
and um, and that means that I'm going to be obedient to him. He's my master, um, so I'm humbly serving him. And it's rooted. What is it? What is it rooted in? It's rooted in love and usefulness. So, am I afraid? Well, I'm a little bit nervous, but I know I'm going to get to the other side because my experiences have shown me that when when I depend and rely on my higher power. So, in, in the in the like Kim said, the most important thing is that I can't be in conflict with others at this point because that blocks me from my higher power, and the result would be that I'm going to go back to compulsive overeating in order to feel good, because if, if I don't do this, I'm going to be carrying around the shame and the guilt, and what if I meet this person, and they're going to think about me, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to be afraid, because I'm going to be afraid not to do it, because I know what's on the other side. You know, it's either disease or it's recovery. There's no other way. So do I want recovery? Am I sick and tired of being sick and tired? Absolutely. So I'm going to go through this action. And those of us that have done it feel so, so different. We come out, you know, just uh, with, the, with the promises. This is, this is the, the goal of a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, Larry. This- I heard Larry and somebody else trying to come in. This is Nancy from Ohio. Nancy. Okay. Larry and then Nancy. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive over here from Chicago. Um, you know, a couple of things here. Again, you know, step nine is, um, you know, is with all these steps, it's very necessary. And, you know, it talks about... Um, you know, we, we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. You know, I don't forget that um, this is a spiritual program, that the higher power of my conception is what makes this different than, than dieting, you know, with group support. This is the essence to we're, we're trying to get a new relationship with our higher power. It's the very essence of why we're going through this process. I'm not going through this process. I need to remind myself because I thought I was going through this process so I can master food. I can finally control food. My higher power won't be manipulated, you know, the higher power of my understanding anyway. You know, it's not going to be manipulated. It's a loving God, my higher power. You know, it's a tolerant and patient God. But um, I will not manipulate the higher power of my understanding into my will. I have to align my will with with my higher powers. So that's a good reminder for me as I proceed through all the steps, but, but step nine in particular, because I'm not going to shy away from you know, from this this notion of of God. I mean, um, after all, God has done for me what I could not do for myself, you know, and here I am um, in a position now to make amends for those things, you know, for those harms that I've done to others. And uh, so, no, I don't lead with a chin and come in, um, you know, if anyone's tried that, (laughs) it doesn't work too, too terribly well. Uh, you know, I've I've got religion. I you know that that some people may not you know take too kindly to that. They, they you know they uh, 
oh, really, Larry, after you've chewed me up and spit me out, after you've done all these harms, so, so now you found God, have you? Great, good for you. You know, I mean, that, so I don't, but I, but I recognize that, um, that, uh, that I'm changed. And, you know, in the amends that I make over time, uh, people will see that I've changed. You know, that it's not just, I'm sorry, you know, and then go out and be a real, you know, SOB. You know, um, I'm, I'm a changed human being and, and God continues to change me every day. So a lot of people get hung up in step nine and found, <clears throat> and I can certainly relate because I did as well, is, is, you know, how do you go about this? Who do you, I do know for me, as it mentions further in the paragraph, that, you know, it was the very people that I was most fearful of um, in making amends that, um, you know, that I reaped the greatest um, fruit, you know, from, from making those amends. Um, you know, God did that for me. Um, and, and, and in some cases it helped to release them, but I didn't do it for that purpose. I did it, um, when I say for myself, not from a selfish place, but, um, so that I could change this program is all about change. And so that I can go forward in a new relationship with my higher power and that, um, with that new relationship, I can be an altogether different person. And uh, so um, those were those ones that I was most fearful of or that I thought I couldn't get through. Maybe I waited to the, to the end of the process uh, uh, to make those guided by a, a, a sponsor that's been through this process. But nonetheless, I went through and put the bit in my, uh, you know, my teeth and I, and I went forward and, uh, and I made those amends. So I'm very grateful for this program. We, we, we have to get through it and we have to get through it quickly because we'll pick up again. No question. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Nancy, you're up. Hi, everyone. This is Nancy O. Recovered in Ohio and so grateful. And this this step has proven to be, I had one immense that was truly a miracle. And, you know, I, I, I'm newly recovered since January. I still feel so new. And I remember talking to my big book guide and asking her about living amends. You know, this was my mother-in-law of 39 years. I wanted to do just living amends with her. And she she said at the time she didn't really believe in living amends. You know, and I'm like, oh, please don't make me. <laughs> but nobody made me do this. And, and actually, I held on to this one. This was my last amends. And a newcomer asked me when they called me one day, was I done with all my amends? And I humbly had to say I had one left. You know, this was the one I was never going to do. And, you know, God God truly led me. He truly led me. And my husband got to witness the miracle of this in that I couldn't specifically find one thing, but I could tell her that there was a pattern I saw in myself with a lot of my relationships where I kind of check out or, or I'm not present when there's an issue. And I had the script all written out, and by golly, she didn't follow my script. And she, she harshly said to me, what do you mean? You know, And I struggled a little with the words, but I was able to say one thing that, that she remembered. And you know what? what? How she took it had nothing to do with it. You know, she nervously laughed, blamed other family members. But after I told her that I was sorry that I was not there to speak about some of these issues, I was free. I was free. I knew I had done it. 
and my husband got to be there. He was actually in the other room listening, and it was just truly freeing for me. And it was a few days later, you know, she was locked out of her house, and I was able to go as a free, recovered woman, and that truly is a miracle. After 39 years of harboring true hate at times, so I pass, and thank you all. This is just a beautiful program. Thank you, Nancy. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Okay. Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon, R.S., can you read that for us, please? Did I hear somebody? Yes, this is Amy. Amy. Okay. Go ahead, Amy. Hi. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in at the last minute there. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered from Maryland. I uh, just had to jump in um, with the comment of the bit in the teeth. You know, I, I ride horses, and one of the main aids to guide and direct a 1,000-pound animal is by putting a bit in its mouth, a bit in its teeth, so that I can guide and direct this, this large animal. And for the animal, is an act of submission and moving forward to be willing to be guided. And what's so beautiful about this program and these two steps, eight and nine, is that when we put the proverbial bit in, when I put the proverbial bit in my mouth, I am willing to be guided into the unknown, meaning when I make my amends, I don't know what the reactions are, and I have to trust God for that process to just do my part, to allow myself to be guided forward and to take those steps forward to move in the direction that I am being guided by my sponsor and trust that my higher power will take care of the rest as far as the other person when I make the amends. I submit to the process of these 12 steps, particularly in this manner, and I go forward. And together, we do, my higher power and I, you know, with the bit in the teeth, so to speak, I am guided and I do things I could never have imagined. Someone was just sharing about all these years of harboring resentment and the freedom that comes from putting the teeth in our mouth, the bit in our teeth, and moving forward and doing these amends and the freedom that comes from that that was never imagined possible. I have had the same freedom given to me. You know, it talks about in the promises we are amazed before we are halfway through in this process of making these amends. And the, the, the beauty of it is that I never even realized how much I was harboring uh, this weight of wreckage that I had on my shoulders from my past behavior until I started making those amends. And the, the weight that was lifted off my shoulders before I was halfway through, the freedom I felt physically, emotionally, and spiritually when I started to make those amends. And I started to see those promises in my life come true for me. It was a beautiful thing, but it all started with my willingness to take action immediately on these amends without hesitation, without knowledge of future or reaction. I too took the bit in my mouth and I said, let's roll. And that's the way it works. And that's the beauty of this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And let's move on to the next paragraph, please. And Sharon R.S., would you read for us? Absolutely, Monica. Thank you very much. Good morning to all, all of you visionaries on the line. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. 
Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell them that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. Never trying to tell him what we should do, what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. In our, if our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So here is a beautiful paragraph, a paragraph that is giving us instruction and that contains a promise in the end. This paragraph is a continuation of the previous paragraph that tells us how we approach the man or woman that we hated or disliked. So this is this is a paragraph discussing that difficult, difficult situation where perhaps someone has truly harmed us in a way that may appear unforgivable. We may have even told ourselves at some point that we will never forgive that person. And we would have felt justified by it. Social code would have said, this is an unforgivable thing. This person may have committed a crime toward us, something that the law, the the law would say is wrong. Yet we are told, regardless of what that person has done to us, regardless of how justified we are in our anger and our pain, regardless of that. If we are to recover, we need to deal with that. We need to deal with what we did, the harm that we have done to that person. And even if our harm is doesn't go to anywhere near the level of what that person did, if we have harmed that person in any way, then we need to stand up and boldly uh, approach that person, knowing that in the end, it is ourselves that are healed. So we are, we're given instructions. We are told um, exactly what we need to do. First of all, we don't criticize or argue. We're, none of that. We don't, we're not there to, to vent, and, and that's where, what we do beforehand. We deal with, with the pain. We deal with, with where we are with that person beforehand in our discussion with our sponsor and with our fellows. We talk it out, and then we deal with it before our higher power, and we, we get healed enough. There still may be a scar there, but we get healed enough that we recognize we have got to do the right thing. We have to clean up our side of the street where we have harmed that person, even if it isn't nearly as much as they have harmed us. So we don't criticize or argue. When we go in, we're 
talking to that person, we look them in the eye, we and we stick to what we have done that has brought them harm. We've set aside, we've cleaned up, we've healed before our God, and we just talk about what we have done to them. And I, I had this situation with my brother, and my brother has done some mean-spirited things to me, and he rallied my siblings against me. And he really, um, because now I didn't do anything except I was a girl, and I happened to have been pretty smart. And a school teacher shamed him in front of his classmates by pointing out and asking him why he wasn't as smart as I was. And he took that out on me. And he made living in our home hell for me when I was uh, in school, in in, uh, middle school. And it was very, very, very painful to me. But what did I do in retaliation because he was so mean to me and I couldn't beat him. He was bigger than me, older than me, and there was nothing I could do. So I put sugar in his bed and cologne on his pillow, and I I tried to retaliate and make his life miserable because he was making my life miserable. And um, when I did approach him, I had to... Um, first, I had to forgive the teacher who had really inappropriately brought this up to him. But then I had to, to just, and, and I had to really, this caused me years of pain uh, because of the way I dealt with it. But um, I had to accept what I had done and talk to him about it. And it was really a very cleansing and refreshing discussion and it really elevated how painful that was for him in my mind and it helped me to understand him and what he had gone through and so uh, in conclusion I, I want to say that these when these harms that have been done us Sometimes when I talked to my brother, it was healing for him, and we cried together. And he told me he had three he has three daughters, and he said the pain of, a, of, of that he went through, he saw in his relationship with other women and even with his daughters uh, that impacted him. But by me going to him and we us talking about it. It helped him to see himself better, and then that helped him in his relationship with his own daughters. And so our, when we ask for, when we go and we clean up our side of the street, the repercussion, the ripple effect of it often uh, benefits not only ourselves, it indeed is for ourselves because we can't be thinking about other people at that point. We just do our part because we're not God. We're not our higher power. There's another, there's a higher power that 
deals with the impacts in, in other people's lives. So we just do our part. But what I have seen is that it ripples out into our family, into our to our the people that we are are um, cleaning up our path with, and then into our into our communities. So when we just do our part, the benefits can can are can be with the help of our higher power magnified. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, Monica. This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, <clears throat> and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love this paragraph. It's such a wonderful paragraph. Uh, we have done our utmost to straighten out the past to straighten out the past, not to live the past. I want to live now the present, but I want to live the present in freedom. How can I live in freedom? When I am straightened out the past. Yes, I am a different person. Thank you, God, that I am a different person. I can come with a different attitude. Now I am coming not with my power anymore. Now I know that I am powerless, and therefore I am a, a, a free, fair person. Yes, I don't have a fear. I know that I am coming with the power of God. I know that God is there for me all the time. I know that God loves me, respects me, accepts me, and God trusts me. I don't want to argue anymore. I don't want to prove that I am the smartest and I am the best and I can do everything. I am coming from a different place. I am coming with a different attitude. Now I am coming with a, like we said in a paragraph before, I am coming with a helpful and forgiving spirit. Now I am coming when I am looking at my own part, where I was wrong, where I can be better. I am not looking at him, why I am angry at him, what, why he did or he didn't do, do to me. Now I am looking and paying the attention on my own part, on my own cleaning home. And this is the freedom. I am a free free, fair person. I am not scared anymore. I am coming with the power of God. It's a power of love and respect. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Go ahead, Paula. And thank you, and thank you for your service today. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, I want to zero in on what was spoken. I'll piggyback a little bit here. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost. That word, utmost, you know, Bill W. said, and he quoted Abraham Lincoln with, good is the enemy of the best. See, I always went, that was good enough. I didn't want to do good enough anymore. I thought I could get by with good enough, but it must be the best. Utmost being the greatest power, degree, or effort. Honey, that is the best. To straighten out the past. 
then this it follows by we are there to sweep off our side of the street well now you want to talk about a transformation i finally went to my side i was always on your side sweep 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 away well then you can imagine what was on my side no Today, there's a difference. I sweep my side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. Never trying to tell him what he should do. Another transformation. This is how you should live. And yet, I couldn't see how I was living. His faults are not discussed. Oh, what a relief. What a relief for him. You're not coming at me at the usual way. We stick to our own. And I love this part. If our manner is, look at what happens here when we commit. Calm, frank, and open. We will be gratified with the results. You know, I thought it was the way he reacted or responded. No. I was gratified that I did it. I followed through, and I did put my best. I did my utmost and then I leave it in God's hands. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Mrs. Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, everyone. This is Leah, compulsive, grateful, compulsive overreader. Um, what I find from step nine is a continuation of step four and looking at myself and only concentrating on myself. And by going through all these steps, it has brought me to a certain inner calm, that serenity. It's not It's not just some, you know, every time I go to a meeting and I say that, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can. My goodness, they have so much meaning. I could sit and write hours and hours about it because it's all this all all these steps have led me up to this point, and then I um I just want to share. Somebody um told me what goes around comes around, and that's not the point. That is absolutely not the point. The point is, you know what? I am not responsible for what your actions are and how you behave to me, regardless if it's in public or if it's in private or if I know about it, or if I don't know about it. Whatever it is, I am responsible for my own behavior, and I have to trust that God is going to protect me for whatever and wherever. And he does. Oh, my goodness, he does. After finding out what, you know, it just it just comes back down to, it boils down to me. I have changed, and I thank this program. I thank all of you guys. And I'll pass. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here for a moment. So here we are in the chapter into action. We're reading steps eight and nine here. And the big book has given us very explicit directions here on, on how to go about making a step nine amen. And um, remember now, these amends, these we are making amends to people we have harmed. I have harmed. This is not about what other people have done to me. 
This is what I have done to others. And um, so it's telling us here, you know, we're, we're, we don't go in there remembering what they did. It's what I did. And also remember that we are not condoning in any way, shape, or form whatever someone else has done to us. Okay? We're not saying it's okay. But we're going in there with what, how I have harmed this person. How have I diminished this person? And so they're telling us, you know, I've got I to gotta clean my side of the street here. If I want to live a free life, you know, I can't, I can't continue to do what I'm doing and continue to be restless, irritable, and discontented. And this is the last step of my cleaning house here. And the most important one here, that I'm going to make amends. I'm going to tell them what I did and how I am going to make things differently. How am I going to do differently from here on out? And this step is a very is a step that must be done with a sponsor. So I know if you're out there and you're new and you're way back on steps one or two, you know you're not here yet. And you're going to have a guide to help you with all this. And you're not going to do any of this alone. So with that, I will pass. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Barbara S., would you read that, please? This is Barbara S. from North Carolina. Okay, um, <clears throat> excuse me. In nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault. So feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We have made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. Um, I think in my experience, most people accepted the amends. Um, the most dramatic was when I had reconciliation with my brother after uh, like four years of, um, you know, he would, I mean, he talked to me and everything, but there was a wall. It was, must have been 20 feet thick of reinforced concrete. And emotionally, he wasn't going to let me anywhere near him. And um, I, we talked, and, and I, you know, I made men, and um, the outcome was, I mean, it was it was really amazing and gratifying. It felt like I got my brother back, and he became open to me on an emotional level instead of just being denied all the time. And um, that was that was wonderful. I did have a situation <clears throat> with someone who. I didn't mean to hurt, but 
but I did. And I seemed like um, the person never let go of their of their hurt um, and never was able to forgive me. And um, that that was that was hard, and it it bothered me. And finally, someone said to me that you know I needed to forgive myself also. Um, and it talks earlier in the book about remorse and that that's that does not help us or our usefulness to others. So I had to be willing to um, forgive myself and let it go that this person would never really be able to forgive me. And that was that was hard, but um, I... I'm very grateful for this app, and there were times when I felt my sponsor was just being a pain in the neck and pushing, and I had good reasons why, you know, I shouldn't make amends because, and she pushed and pushed and pushed, and I, all I can say is that through these steps, miraculous things have happened, the most miraculous being my reconciliation with my brother. Um, And maybe in hearing what I've said doesn't seem so miraculous, but uh, um, there were long, long standing issues and things that I had said and done and the fact that he would lower his his deflection shield was really quite amazing and share his own weaknesses. So um, I just all I can say is that the promises that are given after at the end of this step are really worth the work, the fear, the trepidation, whatever, of pushing through and doing this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sima from New Jersey. Sima, go ahead. I have found, I first, I was very young when I first came in this program, about 25 years old. And um, I recently, I came back a year ago, and I've been abstinent for a year. But um, I, when I first came in, I hadn't lived much. I was very introverted as a person and as a child. So I, I didn't um, understand. I mean, I didn't relate to this making direct amends, because as far as I knew, I didn't directly do anything to anyone. And um, I've come to learn over the past 39 years since I first came in OA um, and learned about the 12 steps 
and embrace the 12 steps, that very often amends is something I have to change about myself and the interaction with the other person. And that gets revealed to me through my higher power a day at a time. I wasn't married when I first came in. Um, I married someone who I thought understood the program. And I've been married for 35 years, and we've had a lot of ups and downs, and a lot of it has been probably my fault, but I wasn't able to see it until I was ready to, I was until I was willing to try to find my higher power's will in how I could actually make amends with my husband. And uh, I had to be willing to be abstinent to take care of myself. That was something that had eluded me on and off over the period of years, over the 35 years in the program, or 39 years, I should say. And um, for the last year, with one year of clean abstinence, I am seeing the willingness to make changes because it's not easy to um, to figure them out, figure out what I need to change because amends is about change, not just about apologizing. And uh, that's been the challenge for me. But I am um, I am experiencing that today and experiencing the freedom that comes with the ability to see what I need to change and then to pray for the willingness and the guidance to actually put it into action. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Simma. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Lois. Hi, this is Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to share. Lois and then Linda. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, uh, recovered in Massachusetts. And um, I I had um, an amends that uh, was not accepted very well. I was in a long-term marriage with an alcoholic, and when I was going through this step for the first time, for the major time, you know, abstinence and with a big book step study sponsor, um, I I had trouble approaching this this my ex-husband at that time, and um, and you know it was difficult, and I understood and wanted to uh, you know to to, to be, to be able to make amends to him, and it was a very uh, trouble-filled marriage, and he was an active alcoholic, and there was a lot of um, trouble in in that marriage, and it was very difficult for me to see my part in that. Um, and it, you know, it took me a while, and I was willing to try to understand what how I could make an amends to him, and you know, it probably it, he was the last one I, I tried to. And I, I just, I think it was just a surfacey thing because I want, I had to be honest, and I really didn't see any way, no matter how much I, how time I took and spoke. God helped me with this. I just apologized for any harm, kind of a generic one I had done to him in a in a letter. He w- he wouldn't see me. We were divorced by then, and he wouldn't have anything to do with me. So, and it wasn't very well received. And it wasn't until you know, as my um, recovery progressed, and it does, it did progress, and it's still progressing, and I am growing, you know, I am gaining more and more understanding of of everything in my life and and how it must have been for this person, this sick alcoholic. And and, and with that, you know, I mean, he he has since died, but as as I have grown and changed and, and 
be, be, began to understand more what what life was like for this for, for my husband. I I really began to understand, you know, deeply how my what my part was. Now he was gone already, but you know, I I I do every now and then I will say a prayer and um ask for his forgiveness and I will ask, you know, I will bless, I'll ask God to uh lift up his soul and pray for him and but you know, if if anybody's on the line and they they you know they have a situation like that, you know, I I was willing to do anything I could then, but I didn't really I wasn't I, I didn't have the, the, the I didn't have the knowledge or the deep understanding. God didn't release that to me yet. So it did come and the most important part for me was that I was willing to go to any length. And and I was willing to do honestly exactly what I could do at that time. But as our recovery progresses, you know, more will be revealed. And with that, I'll pass Monica. Thank you for uh, letting me share. Thank you, Lois. And Linda, you're up. And then I think I heard Leah. So it'll be Linda and then Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm so very grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I have kind of two points that keep popping up in my mind about a ninth step. The very first ninth step that I did uh, was really the only one I need to do, needed to do. Um, my sponsor cautioned me and said, do not ask for forgiveness. You are not there to have it look like or have it be a manipulation of this person so that you can stop feeling guilty. You're there to own up to your part of it, and the result is in God's hands, and this person has free will. Just come with a sincere you know, a sincere and helpful spirit. And that was very, very useful. And uh, I got the feeling most of the time that people really did forgive. And the other part of this, and that's, of course, it was fabulous. Of course it was. Except, you know, if somebody was, you know, truculent and couldn't forgive. So that's that part of it. The other point is that there was somebody especially that was very reluctant to forgive and that was me i was very reluctant to forgive me and it and to make amends to me and um this program has healed my relationship and it's ongoing and it's thrilling it's healed my relationship with god it's new brand new because i was an atheist and certainly not what I was raised with. And uh, my relationship with others, its I have wonderful relationship with others. My relationship with myself is key and it's healing and it's beautiful. Because I just, as was said, I just didn't have the wisdom. The steps have the wisdom. I keep doing them and more is revealed. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Linda. And Leah, did I hear you? Indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate your service. Uh, rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. You know, um, as I reflect back on my amends process, you know, I just 
remember with some of those old resentments, you know, that I continued to pray that my heart be open. Um, You know, some things had occurred. I mean, I came into the program very, very young. I was in my early 20s when I was doing this step work. And, uh, you know, there were certain things um, that had transpired in a couple relationships uh, years before. And yet... um, you know, I was still carrying that around and using that relationship as an excuse for not taking responsibility in other areas of my life. You know, I can't do A and B because this happened or, you know, something of that matter. So, um, you know, ex- and expecting those people to change. And the program of recovery, you know, made me realize that to the degree that I demand anything from you is my emotional sobriety impossible. If I keep waiting for other people to change, then I continue to be in bondage. So this process of recovery, these steps were a process of growing up. It was a process of maturation and taking responsibility for my actions, for my attitudes, for my outlook, for the way I was looking uh, through the prism of my value system at my relationships and, and my life. You know, we had spoken about amends. What does amends mean? You know, it's two primary actions, essentially. One is to change my attitude, especially my behavior, and the other is to repair the damage that I've caused to other people. And I had food stains all over my relationships, despite the fact that I was young. But this program of recovery put me to the test, you know, as I pressed into this step. Um, It was time for me to uh, help, you know, to repair these relationships, and through those steps, I was able to take responsibility for causing injury to others and make restitutions where it was necessary, and it allowed me to, you know, redeem myself for those misdeeds by making those amends, you know, so I would be able to go to those people, acknowledge that harm that I had done, take responsibility for my part, not focus on their attitude, not focus on, um, you know, what I thought I, you know, what my wish list was for them changing, not discuss their contribution at all to this dynamic in the relationship, not whatsoever, but repair the damage as best I could. Because the purpose of the steps is is to say is is to be humble is is that ego deflation at depth so that there's room for what so that there's room for God <laughs> because the, the less me that there is and the less resentment that's swirling around in my brain and the less um, anger and disturbance that uh, creates blockages in my heart the less room there is for God. And so once uh, these amends occurred and those interactions could uh, be facilitated, uh, you know, those barriers, those blocks uh, began to fall and God was able to come in and I was able to love people where they were at. To love people where they are at. And that is something... That is a huge gift because I use that in every interaction today. Every interaction, I can find a place uh, 
to love another person, no matter what the conversation, no matter what the, uh, you know, the interaction or the relationship, that is something that was made possible because of these steps. Because removing those blockages allowed God to come in. And if God lives in me, then he certainly lives in you. And what a gift that is. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And we've come to the end of our time for this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kim, can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Kim, can you read for us? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we had gotten that far. Um, Let me grab 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relation with him is right. Great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.